Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. I'm Chris S. along with my co-host Chris W. This podcast is dedicated to providing lighthearted, concise analysis on everything concerning West Ham. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to Green Eggs and West Ham. It's been a few weeks since we've recorded a podcast, and, and it's really been an up and down last few weeks. Chris, uh, what did you think of our recent performances, the two recent league games and then the, the loss that Everton in the Cup? I think it's interesting to look at how we played in each of them. Who was coaching, first of all, Moyes? You know, it was important that he's out with the coronavirus. Uh, we do obviously hope he gets better, but that's a factor when you're coming into these games and you had Alan Irvine on the, on the bench, uh, talking to, to him live, you know, but, but it was Alan Irvine that was actually shouting to the players and making the, the changes. So that brought an interesting element, I think. Uh, and, and you look at how we played the two league games against wolves, you know, and then we had Everton, uh, and we played it completely differently. We had a different formation and I think it really affected us, uh, you know, and then we had the win against Leicester, which I don't think anyone could have predicted. But that, to me, is telling us, hey, we're on form right now. You saw the difference in formation between Leicester and Everton. So I think we found a formation that, that works for the players we've got. Yeah, it's really – we have played much, much better since we switched to the five back. You know, we we didn't get the result the first time we played it against Arsenal, but we looked the more dangerous side. And – so far in the three league games we've played it, it's it's worked out quite well for us. Two two wins I would not have predicted. I know we thought we were going to hit a stretch where we were going to struggle to even get a single point, yet we come out with two wins to start it out. Uh, and then it was it was very noticeable not only because the in, in the in the Everton game that it was a different squad of players, but we just still looked much worse in that four back formation. We're really exposed. Um, and so I'm, I think, you know, it does, we, we probably will continue on with this five back formation and we're getting the best out of a lot of players that hadn't contributed before. Chris, let's talk about that four back formation and kind of why it doesn't work, uh, first why the five back does work for us. And one player I want to focus on here is Cresswell. Do you think he's more of a central defender or we have seen, he doesn't do great when he's playing left fullback, but then he had some great balls in and had decent defending when he's got kind of more coverage back there with Masawaku. This is probably the position we play him now in that left of the three center backs is probably the best position for him at this stage in his career. He used to be really good on that flank, was able to cover well, always send in good crosses, but since his kind of, injuries a few years ago he hasn't had the same pace and it's left him more exposed defensively Uh, but then he really doesn't have the size to be a full-blown center back so I I think this formation has been really interesting in how it's almost perfectly suited both him and Masuaku on that left side of the defense where you look at each of them individually neither really you're confident with at left back uh, and then Cresswell you're not really confident with as a pure center back but in this in this five back formation where where Masuaku pushes up extremely far on attack, and, and Cresswell goes really wide and almost plays as as, an, as a natural left back on attack, which we've seen we'll talk about in the Wolves game how he was found ways to contribute offensively through that. I, I would say I don't want him playing 
and if we can all help it, I don't want either of them playing in a four-back system because I don't think it's, it suits either of them. Yeah, and I have to give credit to the manager to finding that right formation that does suit our players. And we've seen a lot more service uh, up to strikers because of it. We'll get to the offense in a second. Um, but right now we, we've been struggling in the transfer window in terms of everyone saying we need to, to uh, sign a left back. We need to sign a center back and we haven't yet. Now we found a defense that works for us and in a formation that works for us. So I, um, I don't know if it's necessarily the players that I think it's more the formation. So right. I still think there's a really good argument. We'll talk about it later on. Uh, in our next segment, what we need. I, I think there's a good argument. We still need more players because we've had three good performances in this formation, but it's relatively fragile. And it's not yeah. as if we're, pl- we're still playing with the same players that were awful in a four back. Yeah. And there's a statistic I heard today. Unfortunately, I can't give really credit to the source because I don't remember where I heard it, but it was something like we have the least amount of players uh, for a, a Premier League squad in the entire Premier League. And and that tells you we are in trouble with injury. Um, if we get any – right now we're, we're doing okay. But if we get any sort of injury and covering really a lot of positions do not have any coverage, let alone maybe one player of coverage. Yeah, I mean, we, you really look at every single part of our our team. If Antonio gets injured, well, there goes our counterattack style. If Rice or Suchek gets injured, you have to put someone like Noble or Snodgrass in there, and then you're going to get overrun in midfield. If, you know, if either of our fullbacks got hurt, we're down to, you know, if Matsuwaku got hurt, I guess you can try and play Johnson on that left side. That I mean, that could be a fill-in, but then now you're left with no cover for the right back either. Yeah. So it, you're just – it's almost a glass house at this point. If If one thing – goes wrong the whole thing can come shattering down well and speaking of that for the right back what do you think of our our new signing the we've got the czech team playing for us and it's worked out pretty darn well i actually don't know how to say his name i thought it was Kufal, but i've heard shoot uh not Shufal, Su- but I, Sufal, I, I, yeah. I think Sufal. i i've i thought it was Kufal as well i've been heard from different podcasts that the the c is not pronounced the same in in check so i i guess sioux falls is as close as i can get um but yeah i thought he looked fantastic i know it's just one game but some of the the attributes he displayed particularly the the aggressiveness and drive are, are things that certainly are going to persist and, and that's something I, our team really had been lacking we, too many of our defenders had been almost scared to put in a tackle and there were times where uh sioux Falls had no uh, no problem stepping in and making a play. Yeah, and I heard there's a social media thing going around about uh, alternative commentary for the game, and it was saying uh, Leicester versus you know Czech, the Czech national team, and yeah. I thought that was pretty funny because and, and, and Moyes actually mentioned it. He said uh, we like all the Czech players have worked really well for us, and you know Suchek had played with. Um, Sioux Fall, I guess now, uh, beforehand recommended him. And, and we even made a comment on our uh, Twitter that it was like, hey, do you have any, Suchek, you got any more recommendations? Because yeah. the first game, I mean, that, that guy came out and really, I think was the star of the show just because a lot of, of eyes were upon him, right? Uh, there were players, I, I really don't think I can name a player that played horribly or, or played even really bad at all. They all played decently to well, but, but Sioux Fall, I think, stood out. He he definitely did, being a new player, not having hardly any time to get involved in the team, especially 
I don't think he he had played the five back at Slavia Prague. So kind of switching a defensive system, not being used to the teammates you're playing with, it, it was really impressive. And, and he looked even good on good on the attack as well. He had a couple good crosses in, looked a little more. I know Fredericks had been creating a lot of chances uh, in his short time at, at this wing back position before he got injured, but Sufal looked really good as well and, and much more solid defensively than uh, what, what Fredericks or Johnson usually give to you. So I thought that yeah, was and- huge. I still, I'm still a little worried about our center backs. I, I don't – Cresswell looked good in this five back. Balbuena p- played pretty well the last game. But out, no, I don't think any center back besides Ogbonna you can trust game to game to really right. to really be solid back there. And so I'm worried that even if you know when Diop comes back, whether he gets in or not, any of any of the center backs we're playing besides Ogbonna don't really uh, don't really make me comfortable playing them in defense. That's a good point. Is right now we've got Diop who. Has the coronavirus, so he's, he's technically out no matter what. But I, I actually think he would be sitting on the bench if he was uh, was healthy. And that says something because there's an opening for any really any center back that we sign to come in and and take command of a starting position. Right now we're kind of between which one's going to be better for the situation, but it's it's not like a clear cut uh, thing for between Diop and Babuena. I think Babuena played better, like you mentioned. Uh, but that also could have been a result of the entire team playing well, you know, uh, playing really well. I want to see him stand out when the team's not playing well around him. And I'm, I haven't seen that yet. I've seen Ogbonna. Ogbonna has been a rock in the first game that we didn't look good at all. I would argue Ogbonna was, was good. So, yeah, he's been even, He's been consistent with us even going back into into the restart last year. I was I was a little disappointed um, that we in the cup game we didn't play the same formation. It to me, I know that I know we were very limited in the players we had, but I I thought it was more. In, it would have been more important if we do think this five back is the system we should use going forward, which I think you and I are both in agreement and Moy seems to certainly think so in the league, why we completely switch up formations instead of we play something completely different and throw in an entire new team rather than keep this five back formation, put new players in as well, but that allows those players like the Hilaire's, uh, the Lanzinis who don't typically get a run in at the game to get used to that five back system. So when they are called upon to, to, to be in the starting lineup, whether through injuries or, or what or COVID outbreaks or whatever, they'll be prepared rather than just playing in a completely alien formation. Yeah. Let's get to kind of the attack part of things now. So you mentioned COVID that that's another element this season. It's not just injury. You, you could be uninjured and uneligible to play because of COVID now. Uh, so that really even hurts our coverage more. It, it, it highlights the fact that we need coverage in every position as we saw with Diop and, and now we're down to Bob Bueno. So, um, but moving on to the attack. So we've got Hilaire. Does Hilaire deserve to start or, or subbed, subbed on at a reasonable time? Or, or do you think Antonio, I mean, he's on form, he's doing well. So I definitely wouldn't sub Antonio out. I, I going into the Wolves game, I thought Hilaire had done enough in, in his performances to, deserve 
a, a start, he didn't get it. Um, we played fantastically. So it's, it's really tough at, as hot as we're playing right now to justify changing the starting lineup. But I, I hope to see him more involved uh, in the in the lineup. I almost want I want a little bit of rotation in the squad. You know, I, I don't want you to change three players every week, especially if you won a game. But I think it's it's good to rotate at least one player in to this to the team each each game to get to make sure that you know the players that are on the pitch know they can be replaced and that the players uh, that, that aren't in the starting lineup know that they'll have their chance to prove themselves. It just kind of re- – the, the competitiveness uh, makes everyone perform to a higher level. And I also – you know, you want, you want those players to be ready when called upon. Uh, I don't know this next – going into this next game, the way our front line played against Leicester, I don't think you – can justify taking anyone out to put Hilaire in um, or Lanzini or Yarmolenko, but I would be very happy as instead of just subbing on one of those players in the 85th minute, we sub them on in the 70th minute and give them a good chance to one of our starting players to get a you know relative rest compared to a full 90 minute game and give the the bench player some actual time to get involved. Yeah, and of the listeners to the podcast, uh, I'm sure that Hilaire is one of them. So when he hears this, he can, you know, uh, he can take some advice from us. But I, I'm speaking, I'm speaking more to Moyes, not Hilaire. So oh, they, to, you're they, right, you're right. Yeah. This, uh, you know, first of all, give us a like and retweet, and then yeah. <laughs> and, and good job managing from your home. But no, but uh, but for Hilaire, I I really think Hilaire is working as hard as he can. He's scoring goals in in pretty much every game he's come. I think there was one game where he didn't score, but he was still influential. So it's, he is doing, in my opinion, everything he can. I don't know how training's going. Uh, it's hard to tell in America, but he's doing everything. And, and I would tell him, Hey, keep it up. Like your chance will come. Antonio either is going to get hurt or he's going to need to get subbed off at some point. Or for some reason, Antonio, you know, maybe it's not Antonio. Maybe it's another player that Hilaire comes in for, but Hilaire just needs to keep it up and, and not get discouraged. He's not playing. He is earning a spot. It's just everyone on that field is earning a spot too. Yeah. And, and eventually there's going to gonna be, be room. That's a really good place to be compared to where we were coming into the season. Right. Um, it's definitely um, not, not ideal for some of our players. I know we, we shipped out, maybe some surprising players uh, as this window ended, but we still have enough talent left in the team that there, there are people on the bench that I feel like can make an impact. And Hilaire is, is one of them for me. Uh, I also, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see depending on what happens in the, in the transfer window, if we have another injury to the center back and don't have anyone else in, I'd like to give Elise a run out in that three back because he, you know, we only saw him in the cup games. He was only playing in, in a four back, but played well. And his ball distribution looked really good for a young player. And, and especially when you have that three center back uh, formation, the center backs are called upon a little more to be uh, good with the ball at their feet and, and, and make good passes. How, how did you see his pace? Cause honestly, I didn't see uh, the cup games that he was playing in. Do you think he's, Pretty, he's pretty pacey fast. enough. Uh, he's okay. he's no slower. If I had to guess, um, he's he's not slower than than 
Balbuena for certain. He's I don't he's probably at the pace of of Ogbana, maybe a little faster. So I mean he'd be he'd be on the faster of our center backs. So yeah. certainly good enough to play. I well, think I he, was worried about coverage. I think he for even Cresswell. plays a little bit of left back okay. uh, occasionally, yeah. or at least that was there was a there was debate of whether he might have filled it might have to fill in there at some point. So yeah, definitely not slow and i want to say he might be left-footed which could you know could be good to to slot into crestfall spot if yeah and we'll get to later on a little bit more of the transfer news but i want to give elise the chance but i want to give elise the chance when we dictate when we give him the chance so for instance when we're up by a lot and we can give them a little bit of exposure or maybe in the fa cup you know if we play some lower teams or something give give him exposure for sure it's just I'm nervous to do what we did with Ngakia where, Hey, it's Liverpool. Good luck. Uh, you know, um, but I definitely want to see more of him. I've heard good things in from what I can uh, learn, you know, around the club and everything. So well, I'm excited discussed, to see what he does. As we discussed last podcast, the best way to incorporate youth is you don't want to be on either end where you never give them a chance mm-hmm. or on the other end where you're, absolutely relying on them or, or your teams get sunk you want to against you liverpool <laughs> you can incorporate them into the team give them a chance to to uncover the gems to un you know you want to give them a chance to fail and a chance to succeed but don't put your entire team's prosperity on the back of of one 19 year old it's your your team's not going to be successful long term if if you do that. But you you also won't be successful long term if n- you never let anyone from your academy come through. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one player I was actually really impressed with was Colin. Uh, unfortunately, you know we ended up transferring him, and we'll get get more into the transfer stuff later. But he, I just wanted to mention him because he's the type of player he and and pretty much Dean Ghana too you know, brought up in the academy, wants to play for West Ham, did well on loan, that kind of stuff. And it, to me, those are kind of the, the criteria to start playing a player in the first team. And, and Elise has done well. Don't like, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I'm not saying he hasn't met that, but I'm just saying that to me is if I were a manager, I'd be looking at, at those three things and say, you know what? Hey, let's give this guy a shot compared to like Baptiste or something. Super young guy probably needs a little bit more experience. Um, so yeah. exactly, and I, I I would say we have enough young players. Uh, you know, we have Elise at center back. We have um, Coventry in in midfield. You have a player like uh, maybe Ashby perform. I don't think Ashby's going to be breaking in anytime soon with the signing of Sufal, mm-hmm. or even like a, a Holland who could play. Now that we're we're a little low on wingers. You know, even though we had eight as of last, you know, last time we recorded the podcast, uh, but those players, if we give them a chance, could could go a long way in kind of um, restoring restoring faith in, in our academy. In the sense of, I thought that the the transfer of Colin and Diangana was a real negative message to our current academy players that it doesn't even matter how well you do you, you probably aren't going to get a shot. So giving someone like Elise or Holland or Colin a chance to, to earn their place in the team could go a long way in saying, Hey, no Academy players, we, we do value you and we do want you to succeed uh, and succeed here, not just succeed here and we'll sell you on, but, but succeed and become a member of the team long-term. Right. 
yeah, yeah, fight for your spot in the first team. So, yeah, well, that overall, a very, very happy with you know, two league wins in a row and a formation that seems to suit our players. Definitely more exciting uh, football than we've seen in a long time. I'd say, I'd say those two games were probably more exciting than any we saw outside of maybe the the Chelsea game where we won three uh, two. And so let's hope we can keep it going on. Uh, no, we're at the international break, but next segment we're going to come and talk about the the transfer window, how the the broader international window ended, and and what we can do in this uh, this next week to maybe find a gym or two in the championship. Welcome back to the second section of Green Eggs in West Ham. In this section, we're going to talk about how the international window closed, transfers overall, and the championship window coming up. With, with Sufal coming in, technically the club is trying to count Suchek and Sufal as the two summer signings. Chris, is that a fair assumption, or is it really just Sufal that we signed? I'd say it's just Sufal. Uh, Suchek was... Not and he's not a player we added to the team. He he was on the team last year. It was an obligation to purchase, so it's not as if we we did anything extra. We had to buy him. It, it was it was contractually obligated. Um, and you know they really took credit of him as a January signing, and that's that's what he was. He he came to the team in January, established himself, and has been a, a West Ham player ever since. Um, so I'd say the only international player we brought in this window was Sioux Fall. And after the, you know, 300 players we were linked to this window, it's a little disappointing to only come away with one, even if in his one game, he's, he's looked pretty good. I think our team needed, uh, we needed quality definitely, but we really needed a quantity of quality and we didn't, didn't get that. We, we saw, the only thing I could say about a quantity of quality was that it was a quantity of quality out the door rather than in. Yeah. If you have one quality player that you're signing each transfer window, just to, just to kind of put it in perspective, it would take you roughly five to six years to sign each position once five to six years, you've got so much movement within the premier league and everything. You have to be signing more than that, in my opinion, to, to have a solid team that stays uh, that's at the premier league level. So yeah, with the, with the only exception, if you could bring in academy players to supplement that. But the problem with that is you got to keep your academy players. Right. We haven't. So yeah. Yeah. Not when you sell them. Yeah. Uh, one. So give me like a one to 10 score on how we did. Cause I would, I would probably just off the top of my head, probably give like a three and, and really that three is Sioux fall. Um, maybe a little like half a point I'd, I'd give to us dropping and dropping Wilshire and then loaning out Anderson. I think that's going to be positive for Anderson. I, I don't think that's going to take away from what he would have done here. So would you disagree with that? Or I, I have probably a little more negative view of, of the window. And now there is a little bit more and we'll talk about the, the targets in the championship that we could bring in that could change this uh, perspective or tr- change how, how successful of a window it is. But here are the players that we've lost. Grady Diangana, a Yeti, Hulk Hugo, 
Colin, uh, Anderson on loan, Zabaleta, Sanchez, Wil- and Wilshire are all released from the team. We lost Ngakia as well. All of those players gone. Who have we brought back? Kufal. That's one it. player. Yeah. One player. Yeah. And, and so, and you mentioned it in the last segment, we have the smallest squad um, yeah. in, in the league and we don't really, and not only do we have the smallest squad, it's multiple positions. Are we light on? And like I was very against the Diangonis sale, but I can see a way in which that could better the team. If we use those funds, we didn't use those funds. I can see you can you can sell me on the Yeti and the Hugill signing if we thought they weren't ever going to play for us. But now we have no striker. We have literally our starting striker who's injury prone, and our backup striker who the manager doesn't seem to be want to, wanting to play despite his performances. Cullen, yes, he had a year left on his contract, but you're telling me we have we played two midfielders in our system. So we have Rice and Suchek to lock up the starting spot, sure. But now that we've released Wilshire, which we didn't save but a few th- a few hundred thousand dollars overall on by cutting him, we, we were paying him 80 to 85% of his wages. And for Colin, we got less than a million in, in transfer fees and wages saved that way. So you're telling me between those two players, you're saving maybe one, 1. 1.2 million to, to lose two, your probably third and fourth options in midfield. It's, it's laughable. You can't bring in anyone for that, for that price. Um, yeah, I, I agree. And, and just to real quick, if I can interject with, uh, with Wilshire, I was actually pretty confused on how his, his clause worked, but so I want to explain it to people that are still confused. Cause um, I feel like I have an understanding now. So the way his, his contract was written is that it said you have an, 80 to 85%. I, I haven't heard a solid number on that, but let's go with 80% for now. Cause that seems to be the most um, uh, agreed upon you know, on social media and things. But anyway, so there was, there was a clause in there that said, if Jack Wilshire is released early by the well, club, I don't, I don't know if it was actually a clause or if it was just, they negotiated this right before. No, no. To, to my understanding, it was in his contract. Okay. And that's why we had to pay such a high fee. Um, but, but it was basically like, Hey, Eight, we will pay you 80% or 85% um, of the remaining wages left on the contract. And so we ended up paying him a, a decent, basically closing uh, amount. However, when you add up each his weekly wages, just like we said, you know, you're saving roughly 15 to 20% of his overall wages, plus any add-ons and things that he could have gotten like uh, Antonio had, you know, if he gets to 10 goals or whatever. So it does save the club money. It's yeah. And what, what do you but got? Chris? One thing you, one thing, so yes, you save, I don't know, 500000 over the course of what his contract had remaining. That's not significant. Another, and in, in a lot of ways, even paying out 85% compared to the 100% can be detrimental to our signings because of this. Typically, when you, when you cancel a contract like that, all the payments are due up front. So let's say let's say we owed him four million left on his contract, and we ended up having to pay three and a half million instead of that four million. Well, instead of that four million being spaced out over the year, we have to pay three and a half million dollars or pounds right now, which is we know with the way that the the owners are treating it right now, 
we have a cash flow issue. We have like even even signing signing a five million player like Kufal, we have to make in three equal installments over three years. So if our if our issue is we don't have the cash right now, canceling a contract like that could actually be detrimental to our signings this window because now we've have even less cash on hand at the moment. So to me, it just it was mind boggling. Players seem to no. Yes, he wasn't playing on the pitch for us. The players seem to enjoy his presence in the locker room. There were several very heartfelt messages from from players when he when he left. It, it to me, it we I don't see any benefit to this to this move to canceling his contract. You're not really saving any money. He's a player that you know isn't playing on the field, but you know could in a pinch play. And he's liked by the locker room. It's just confusing to me in a position that we need depth in. One, one quote I want to talk about is something he tweeted out after he had uh, left, officially left the club. He was basically announcing to his followers that they had terminated the contract. And uh, to clarify as well, Chris, you were mentioning um, it, they reached a deal. West Ham and Jack Wilshere did reach a deal about termination. It's just um, that 80% came from the contract. So it was like two different things. But anyways, all right. So here, just to, to quote Jack Wilshere from his official Twitter account. Uh, Unfortunately, despite all my best efforts and intentions, it has not worked out as I had expected. I've been fully fit for a large period of time at the club, including over the course of the last eight months, training hard every day, but unfortunately have not been given the opportunity to play. Although I am very frustrated, uh, of course I'm frustrated. I was not um, able to fully showcase what I have capable at West Ham. I remain convinced that I can still contribute at the very top of the game, end quote. What are your take? Part of of that's true, but part of it's not. I mean, he, he has been there have been times over the last eight months, which he's been fit and we haven't picked him, but over that eight months, he's been injured multiple times even. And, and over a large portion of his contract, he's been injured. So yeah, we, over the last few weeks, we hadn't been playing him and even some of project restart when he was fit, we didn't play him, but that's not necessarily, I, I think it's, it's only half true what he said. Um, now I don't have any problems with him personally or, or whatever, but I think that was more of a uh, saving his own bacon press release than anything else. I think that was him trying to say, Hey, I can still play. Exactly. I, that's exactly what I think it was. I think he was trying to come across and, while it may not have looked like it put West Ham in the best light, I really don't think he meant to slight West Ham at all. Um, I know it, there's been a history of him with uh, some of our coaches in terms of uh, not uh, kind of bad blood between them. And I don't think he was necessarily attacking West Ham or, or anything like that and saying, look, hey, you guys just didn't play me. I think it was more of just trying to save face. So yeah, well, I think I really it was a little bit. I think it was definitely aggressive towards certain people at West Ham. Right. But I think overall it was more i think it was I mean, just more about saving face yeah he, he doesn't owe anything to the club at this point like he he and the club mutually agreed to part ways that's where their relationship really ended uh, you can say both both parties were left feeling a little unsatisfied from this mm-hmm. you know from the original agreement so yeah i mean i hope he i you know i hope he finds a place that he can you know continue to play professionally and yeah, I was I was annoyed, but I I really struggle with how much 
it was truly his fault. He's just an injury prone player and, and injuries, you know, took the toll on him. And that's one of the main reasons he wasn't able to play for us. And that's it. I just, I think from the, from the board or manager standpoint, it just doesn't make financial or on field sense to, to just basically pay a player not to play for you anymore right. and, and just have him set on bench. Yeah, and it's the same thing for Colin. We're not really saving any money with him. He looked really good. I mean, going, if, if you had to pick a team like a week ago, obviously you're starting Suchek and Rice, but I told you, okay, we need to, you know, say Suchek goes down with a little niggly injury halfway through the game. What midfielder are you subbing on to replace him? I'd yeah. argue most West Ham fans would have said probably Josh Collin. Yep. And after that, they might've even said Wilshire over a player like Noble or Sanchez, you know, some people, I mean, I definitely over Sanchez, definitely, definitely or not, over. Not, not Sanchez, Snodgrass, <laughs> Snod, Snodgrass. Snodgrass. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, and so it just is confusing to me why we would. We're dumping midfielders. Clear We're... the stable of midfielders when. Right. Let's talk about that. So, in the championship, we've been linked to a few players. Uh, one player I want to highlight who I, th- I think would be actually fantastic for our team uh, is Josh King. And I, there's a stat that I'm going to give you that I think might shock you. And it's interesting because it shocked me when I heard about it. So he's been at Bournemouth. He played Bournemouth, obviously got relegated last season, um, would likely earn a lot more at West Ham. And, and we have the money now to pay for him because we dumped like 50 players. So he has scored 50 goals in five seasons. So he, he's averaging 10 goals a season. Um, interestingly enough, plays for the Norwegian national team and is playing right now in the Euro Cup, um, or excuse me, the European qualifiers. So this, this is a guy that is in the championship, which is the window still open. He's scoring. He's, he almost to me is like a Bowen in terms of uh, potential. And he's on the international team. So clearly it's not just, you know, one season's run of, of good goals. It seems like it's consistency to me. Yeah, he's, well, he's performed well in the Premier League um, for for quite a while. I, th- I think there was one season he had, it might've been three seasons ago, he had like 16 goals. I think he had 12 another year, eight another year. So, so very consistent, you know, solid goal output in the Premier League. And I think, he would fit really well with what Moyes wants to play, which is this counterattacking style of play. He, he adds some, he's very pacey. So, and our team generally lacks pace. I think, I mean, outside of like two or three players in our starting 11, we are devoid of pace. He could, I, I can see him slotting into that Antonio type role, or even if going in there and playing and I'm, he can play on the wing if, if you wanted to to sub out for nows or sub out Bowen. Like there there's he can play in multiple positions in this counterattacking style. Uh my biggest concern with him is his his injury prone. He's he's a little bit injury prone. Not not massively, but but a little bit. And he's not um I mean he's twenty eight years old. It's I would like to sign him, but I still think we need we still need to find a, a a striker that can be in it for the future as well. So I, I, I would, 
I'd be happy with this signing. I, I wouldn't pay 20 million for him. I'd, I'd probably say if we can get him for 12 or less, I'd be pretty happy. Um, Cause that should leave us enough, enough in the budget to, to cover other positions. Um, but out of all the championship strikers that, that seem to be linked with us or, or that we could potentially go after, he's the one I'd like. What other, what other positions do you think? As I think striker is definitely a position of need because it's so thin. Um, but, but what positions do you think we need to target uh, from, from the remaining week or so in the window? Yeah, well, that's a good question because you say under 20, you know, we wouldn't necessarily pay 20 million for him. And I think we've in striker, we have that option. We have two decent strikers. We can afford to kind of negotiate and take our time a little bit with striker. Some positions where we can't really mess around are left back, specifically left wing back, if you want to clarify that as well. Uh, but, but also center back because right now, look, we're down to Balbuena. Diop's out because of COVID. So maybe Diop comes back, but if any of any of our remaining center backs get COVID, we're done. Um, another one, we just dumped a million midfielders. So I would like one, I, I think I would feel comfortable with one more midfielder who, who we know is almost like a Wilshire when he's healthy. We know what we're going to get. We, he may not start every game, but we know what we're going to get if we need to play him. He's a little bit more pacey than Noble and Snodgrass who uh, just are a little bit older, you know, and, and I think they're still contributing, but I don't, if Suchek or Rice goes down, that's going to be a, a big gap in the team. And if I was a manager looking at the team, looking at West Ham saying, how are we going to beat them? And I saw Noble or Suchek go down, I would force the ball uh, on that side because that's going to be the weaker side, whichever side um, the, the sub is in for, say Noble or Snodgrass. Yeah, I think I think you hit the, the this positions perfectly. I center back we're really shaky at this point. We don't have we're there this is probably the the most direct path to the starting lineup. It would be a new center back. You know, mm-hmm. we not always convinced with Balbuena, not always convinced with Diop. Are we really certain Cresswell can play this position perfectly for a long stretch of time? I I think that's uh big. I also agree with you. I think left back is I mean we've it's not as if Masuaku's never played for our team over the, over the last several years. He's he's had runs of playing really well, but he tends to, you know, kind of fall out of favor at some point. So consistency, yeah. Having a left back to to kind of cover that that side would be really really helpful. Um, and then I also think, yeah, we're we're really really weak at uh, backup midfielders, and I think you can. I think in each of those positions, you can find a good player uh, in the championship that, you know, maybe you don't think might not, you know, might not beat out some of our starting players, but but can develop into a starting player and at least provide more solidity as a backup than, than some of our current options. It seems like we've been linked to, you know, more center backs than any other position. I honestly not too thrilled with a lot of the, the the targets we've been linked to that are in the championship. I know Craig Dawson's been one, Steve Cook at Bournemouth. Uh, out of all of them, I'd say for me, Joe Rondon's probably the the biggest one I'd want. I, I don't, I can't claim to know any of these players super intimately, but just based on kind of age and potential, he seems to be the best. I know, I know fans from multiple teams have really hated Craig Dawson when they've been, when he's been on their team. He's one I wouldn't – I don't – I can't see him ever being better than, than Diop or, or Balbuena, so I don't know why we'd go after a play like him. And then Steve Cook. Bournemouth wasn't real, wasn't a 
great de- defense last year. I don't know why we would go after kind of a second choice center back from that team either. So, yeah, that is a little puzzling to me. Uh, we we've been linked with a lot of people throughout this transfer window. So I really don't know what to believe anymore because it seems like every five seconds we're linked with 10 new players, you know, we also have almost zero scouting network. So I think what we're doing is uh, looking at other teams and saying, Oh, you guys are looking at this. Okay, cool. We'll link, we'll be linked with him too. And then we'll put in an offer. And if it works great, where the positions where we've got to sign, as I mentioned before, uh, specifically focusing on center back though, I, I want to bring in someone that is going to start. And, and you mentioned if we bring in really, I mean, like you mentioned Dawson or cook or something, maybe they start, maybe they, they have potential to, but why can't we go find someone in the championship that would be 100% our number one starter? And I think that's what we need because it shouldn't be a toss-up. It should not be a toss-up on do we play Babuena or Diop unless they're both excelling so much that you literally can't choose. Because that's kind of like Hilaire and Antonio. Antonio's playing some of the best soccer I've ever seen, but Hilaire's playing really well too. So anytime one of those drops, then the other one automatically starts. Right now, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel for Babuena. And, and, and not to say they're not good, but... I want to. I want to sign a starter. I, I don't want to sign someone that's going to sit on the bench. We have people that are sitting on the bench. Yeah, and and with Ogbonna, you know, Ogbonna is getting fairly old. I think he's about thirty-two. Balbuena, his contract comes to to the, I think is is out at the end of the year. This is not, you know, we're getting really close to to desperately needing center backs. You know, we've, you know, pieced it together at this point, but. Not only, you know, not only could injuries derail us, but we might not have many center backs on the books in, in a year's time. So it's important to really start planning for the future now um, at that. And I, I'm overall, I think we can find some good players in the championship. I'm very angry that we've waited to this point to do any business because as soon as the international window closed, the prices on the championship players went up because those clubs know a Premier League club like West Ham can't go anywhere else to find a player. That's the only place that they can go. And it's frustrating to me that we've had all this time and it took, we have one player in at the very tail end of the, of, of the international window and couldn't get anyone else in. And now we're stuck hoping we can find a player in the championship. Chris, one thing I want to touch on, what do you think of that Anderson What do you think of the Anderson move to Porto? I'm torn on this. I there's been there's been a I've I've seen everything from we're getting a loan fee and most of his wages paid off by Porto to we're we didn't get anything and we're still paying most of his wages. I think I think X came out on his podcast and said that we we were getting some sort of fee and most of his wages covered. So that's that's good. he, you know, he wasn't really producing for us even when he played. I, th- I hope he finds his way there, um, but again, it just it leaves us really weak at a position that we thought going into the summer we had plenty of, and now selling Diangana, losing, you know, losing Felipe Anderson, we don't really have that many pure wingers anymore. Uh, but hope, I mean, 
I don't know. I'm hopeful. I hope he can find his, his form at, at Porto and then either come and hopefully come back and be a good player for us next season. Um, it, this is one of those, it was probably just better for both parties to get a little break from each other. I mean, this, if, if we look back a few years, the, it was very similar to Snodgrass had just a real rough go of it for about a season at West Ham. Couldn't, couldn't find his footing. Um, we loaned him to, to, to Villa when they were in the championship and he just had uh, a cracker of a season there, just was banging them in, getting a ton of assists and then came back to West Ham the next year and was a pretty, like a pretty solid player for us that in that year. And I know he's, he's gotten older now, so he doesn't feature as much, but I'm hoping some sort of revival like that could be in, in the cards for, for Felipe Anderson. Yeah, I, I don't really have too much to add to that. I do think it's positive because he wasn't really going to play here. Moyes doesn't rate him from what we've heard yeah. from reports of the locker room. So I, I think it at least at least kept the relationship from becoming more toxic. Like right. the it the, it was getting to the point where there wasn't really an avenue for which he was going to just break out of this slump if he mm-hmm. stayed at the club. So hopefully it's kind of like the reset button type thing. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, it, I am very frustrated, I guess, that we didn't sign more in the international window when you look at other teams and they did. And Ashton Villa, for instance, went went to town with signings and then they just got, was it 7-1 against Liverpool? I mean, not that, you know, I think we have, we're on form, we're playing well, but I'm just curious on why we were both in the same position and uh, barely surviving relegation last year and then, uh, you know, and and then they go and spend all that money, and we don't. I'm I am a little jealous, but um, is it the manager's fault? Is it the board's fault? Do, do they both share blame? Or I, I think they both definitely take? share blame. I, it Moyes should have Moyes should have known what he was working with, what he was going to have as far as spending, and been able to identify not only players that fit but players he knew were going to be obtainable given his budget but then i also think the board's culpable because they pretty much seemed to have forced him into selling the ingana and then never really gave him enough financial backing to get the target his main target so it's it's i think they're both culpable um i i'd put a little more blame on the board just because we've seen this consistently from them where they've talked a big game and then never really seemed to like Billich when he was doing great wanted a defensive midfielder we never gave him a defensive midfielder and our team the next year was very was overrun in midfield then you know Pellegrini wanted fullbacks. We never gave him fullbacks and he performed well for us for a little bit. And then, you know, all we, you know, we had one goalkeeper injury and between that and, you know, the weak fullbacks, we kept shipping in goals and it was him done. Moyes, like Moyes wanted a center back, wanted defenders. We haven't given him defenders. We've been able to piece it together so far for the last couple games, but I don't, you know, as as good as the last two league games have been, I don't back us to be able to continue this for the entire season. I think it's more likely that we start, you know, showing cracks in our defense and start, you know, 
Italy's not being a great defensive team, you know, start shipping in a decent amount of goals. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, if I would, you look at in that sense, I'd think it's more likely the board's fault because we've seen this from them before. Look at look at the transfers Moyes has brought in though. You and you have to credit the manager in charge for bringing them in, right? So, Suchek, Bowen, Randolph, and now Suval. Uh, and and we've only seen one game of Sioux Falls, but it, but it was a great game. So right now I want to give him credit. I, I think he should have done more. I definitely think he has some blame. He, the manager can never escape full blame, even if the board gives him no money. Uh, the manager is responsible. It is his job, his sole job, to find people for the team under any budget. However, I think the board is really uh, handcuffing him, really, in terms of what he can do. So... Moyes has brought in decent signings, though. There really hasn't been a signing that has flopped yet. And, and knock on wood, hopefully there's not. Uh, it, it's interesting, though. The board does seem to take a lot of credit for the Suchek signing and specifically for this recent Sioux Falls signing. Uh, I think it was – and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Sullivan that was that was claiming he had uh, bullied Moyes in a little bit to taking Sioux Falls. But, but it's interesting that that came after – a great game. And, and would that quote have come if Sufal didn't do well? No, it, it's always, I mean, Absolutely we, not. It's, it's revisionist history with him. It's any, any player that ends up doing well, he was pushing for any player that didn't do well. He was trying, you know, he was trying to, to steer the manager away from, and, and it's, then he goes on, he'll literally in the same interview, he'll say, I let the manager pick the players and then say, well, I told Pellegrini to get this guy. Yeah. So it, it, he can't even keep his story consistent. So no, I don't. It, it's shocking too that uh, only good signings come from Sullivan. I think that's kind of interesting. But uh, look, there's a lot of traction for GSB out. Um, and I, I think it's... Look at what they're telling us, right? Look at the signings, our zero zero transfer budget. I mean... In all aspects, we, we actually asked on our, our social media uh, Twitter saying, anyone, is anyone still GSB, you know, pro GSB, I should say, and, and what are your reasons for it? And I really can't even think of one reason why the board has benefited us, I'll, I'll say over the last year, but uh, I mean, the London yeah. Stadium, maybe, but people are pretty mad that we left Upton Park. So uh, I don't know. Do you have any, any thoughts there? As far as, I mean... I'm very heavily GSB out. I think I thought it was really interesting that that was, we had that tweet we had was, was retweeted and saw, you know, I think it was over 1500 people saw the tweet and there was not a single, there were a couple of people that commented like, Oh, I want to see, you know, who, who comes. And one person even said something like, Oh, I, you know, I want to see who comments just so I can block them. But no one, (laughs) no one commented in in favor of the board it was all just people that were gsb out waiting to try and find that you know the elusive pro board fan i'm sure there's some out there you know i think yeah sullivan and brady yeah so yeah you know (laughs) brady's five burner accounts or whatever uh i mean i think on the whole of their term there have been some good things that they have done for the club but they've also at this point proven time and time again, they aren't the owners that can take us to the next level. 
Yeah, I, and I just looked it up, and it was uh, seventeen hundred twelve and twelve people. So one thousand seven hundred yeah. and twelve people have seen that. Uh, it's interesting that not one person commented back because, and and maybe you don't want to get roasted alive. I understand that, but I also, you know, if I really believed in something and I really wanted to back something, I I feel like I would comment. And we tried to make it, hey, uh, you're not going to get you know, I've, we're really just looking for any any sort of reason. If you compare them to Moyes and you look at Moyes, there have been some times where people have called Moyes not a great signing or signing, quote unquote, or uh, we should fire Moyes. But but now now that we're on forum, now that, we, you know, I don't know, I, I think that's kind of died down a lot. And it's probably overshadowed by GSB, but it is interesting that that's kind of died down. So it's it seems like fans are kind of torn. And, and right now I'm pretty happy with, with what he's doing. I can't say I think his subs are poor. I think he could improve, but I don't think he's. I think he's the best option we've got right now. I don't want to go looking for a manager. So, um, but GSB, whether we do a good game, we have a good game or a bad game, everyone's consistently GSB out. So, yeah, and I, I think it's even if we got rid of Moyes, if they're still the ones in charge, so many of these the problems aren't from. I, I, I definitely would criticize Moyes for his in-match management, but so many of the problems are persistent from manager to manager, and the only common thread is. Sullivan and gold. It's the way this club is run at a fundamental level is it's a poorly run football club. You know, it's the teams that have year out and year year in and year out success are either the teams that can just crazy outspend other teams, which we're not. I mean, we, we should be able to spend a decent amount, but we're not going to, we don't, you know, we don't have the man city money or it's the teams that have, extremely well-run clubs i.e the lesters the tottenham's the wolves the everton's even like those they typically have pretty good infrastructures that we we lack and that's why there's such a big gap between us as far as consistent results you know yes we beat we beat them this you know we beat leicester this week but leicester's going to end up way higher in the table than we are at the end of the year, it's because not, they... Not if we keep playing on form. Come on. I'm looking for a 10-1 victory. They were, the unbeaten next time we they were unbeaten before they played us. So we, we crushed them and they're still way ahead of us. In the yeah. uh, well, that, that'll that just about do it for this transfer section. Uh, next up, we, we're talking about Tottenham and how we should come out against them, how we're going to play them, and uh, what we think the result will be. So uh, stand by for that. But thanks for... Uh, for sticking with us and we promise to bring you good content the next one. back so in this segment we're going to talk about the international break and then our next league game at Tottenham. Chris we have nine players uh, first team players called up to their countries uh, several playing in the, in the European qualifiers and several several kind of just scattered throughout the globe. Um, are you a little worried that with nine players out we're we're almost asked you know one of them's going to get 
one of them's going to get injured or infected with COVID or something, something's going to go wrong and it's going to wreck our league form. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I saw Ogbonna, Suchek, and, and Sufal, both, all of them didn't feature in, in the most recent game for international play. And I kind of was relieved a little bit because I thought if, if they get hurt there, uh, we could be in some trouble. So while I want them to play and get exposure, I don't. I want them to play safe, uh, specifically for West Ham's well, interest. If the, if the Czech team bus has a breakout of COVID, <laughs> our, our season's over. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, FC so, Slavia London is, is, is yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be willing to take more players from the team right now. I mean, it's been working yeah. out, but uh, no, but it, I, I think the biggest thing that's going to hurt us really is, is the international break just because of the time that it came. So we're on form. We just came off of two massive wins, which I didn't think we would win. And I don't think anyone did, uh, but now we're going to this two week break and I really just hope that we don't lose our form. Moise really doesn't have it. Um, you know, a lot of our starters were on their international team. So I think he's going to be tough to work with uh, chemistry and practice and stuff, but what he can do is, is really work on an individual level during these two weeks. And, and I think that's the most he can do really. Uh, get players up to speed that, that are on the bench or maybe even in the academy, maybe work in some academy players, get them you know, exposure, like say Elise defending Antonio. I mean, Premier League defenders haven't figured out how to defend Antonio. So, Yeah, I think that's a, good, that's a good shout. Definitely getting using this as an opportunity to get players involved, to get a little more one-on-one action. Um, and also, yeah, also to kind of concentrate on signings as well, getting if we can bring in a new player or two, you know, I, I know that the board keeps saying, yes, we will bring in a player. Well, let's do that right now and give them, you know, the extra week to get ready before they have to, to play their first match for us. Uh, it's There's no benefit towards waiting at this point. Yeah. Uh, interesting that we come back and play Tottenham, though, because we always, not always, I don't want to curse us, but we typically play well against the Hotspurs. And darn if we don't want to beat them for sure, but we typically play well. And I'm kind of glad that that's our game coming back because first of all, it gives us something to look forward to. Uh, Second of all, we, as I said, we usually play well. So if we can just keep that form, if, if there was a game where we're going to play with good form, it's going to be against Tottenham. And if we were coming out and playing, say, I don't know, uh, you know, Ashton Villa or something coming out of the break. Okay. Maybe, but but Tottenham is, is a game that where I see us uh, not really losing a lot over the international break because it, because it's our main rival and, and that's a positive thing. So what, yeah, what especially, you... especially when you might be struggling with a little bit of stagnation after a, a long layoff as, as, as an international break can be. Yeah. I, I really, I back us to, to play well and, and hopefully get some sort of result. So let's let's move on, I guess, to our lineups. Uh, and that came, I guess, certainly you got to keep the same formation we've been going. You do, and and I would be really hard pressed, honestly, to change any players. Is there really any player you would change? I don't. I don't think I'd change any player in the starting lineup. Um, you know, maybe in a week or two, if Diop gets healthy and Balbuena's not looking great, I can see them switching in. But even if oh, Diop should be back, but I don't think he'll be match fit. Um, and Balbuena's played well, so I'd, I'd keep all eleven as as they were. Uh, I just think you need to be a little more 
Moyes, Moyes really frustrates me that, that he never seems to sub a player in before the 80th minute or even the 85th minute a lot of times. I, I want to see more more squad rotation. You have subs. You should use them. You know, you you don't get to take them into the next match. So that you, you need to make your the best use of them. And um, I'd like to see Hilaire get a little more a league minutes under his belt. I'd like to see um, maybe a player like Elise come on if we're up big, give him a little bit of Premier League experience. It, it's just, I think, uh, but yeah, you got to keep the same formation and I just don't see any of the players that you could drop. I, I don't either. And when I look at the five back that we're playing and the attack that's going to come against us, uh, Tottenham's attack, I think the five back is the answer. We need coverage against Harry Kane. And as much as I dislike the player, you know, he does score goals and he does, the, they draw penalties. And that's where Harry Kane scores a lot of goals is because of penalties. So we need to be careful and we need to make sure that we don't need to make that aggressive tackle because we're the last defender where, you know, instead we can say, Oh, I missed him this time, but I've got another guy back there to, to cover me. So that's going to really help us. And uh, I'm excited going in with a five back because I, I'm not as worried about our defense as I would be, especially with how kind of quote unquote slow Cresswell is now. Uh, I feel like I feel comfortable there. Yeah, I definitely feel better than, you know, some trips, some trips there in years past, although we've, you know, we have, we have been able to get a result there before. So, oh, it's back us again. What do you, what do you, what's your score prediction for this match? Taking into account the two week break and that we've been on form, I don't want to go crazy and, and say something like four one or something, because I, I think it's going to be a really close game and I'm probably going to go with three, two though. I think it's going to be a one goal difference. I just don't know if it's going to be like a two, one or three, two. I do think though that West Ham will win. And, and that I'm proud to say that because we have been on form. We have the players to beat them and we just upset wolves. We just upset Lester. I, I think Tottenham's going to come in uh, thinking they're going to win. And we're going to use that cur- that uh, what is it? Uh, courage against them, I guess, or, that you know overconfidence overconfidence yeah yeah see i i don't i'm not quite as optimistic as you are i think we'll play well i i see us getting a a 2-2 draw i think we our offense has looked a lot better we should we should be able to get even a couple goals but uh, they're deadly too and you know it's they have good players i i i would be happy with a point and i think that's what we'll get yeah i i would definitely be happy with a point especially because I also don't think that that would crush our form. If we lose five zero to them, that would hurt not only just because it's them, but also because uh, our confidence would be crushed. However, if we get, if we do get a point, preferably win obviously, but, but if we do get that point, uh, I, I, I see that as, as beneficial. So, yeah. Yeah. And that this should be, uh, we get a little bit of a, a break before this game, but I think it'll be, I think it'll be a fun one to watch and yeah. So thanks for listening to this episode. It'll probably be a couple of weeks given the international break before we have our next one. But in, in the meantime, if you, you like the show, uh, give us a follow at green eggs and WH on Twitter and always, uh, always looking for, for fan interaction. So 
if you have a question you want us to answer on the pod, go ahead and tweet us. And uh, yeah, come on, you irons. Come on, you irons, and especially against Tottenham.